Welcome to the Church on a Hill podcast. This is Pastor Corey Lahery, and the Church on a Hill podcast is a ministry of Palouse Federated Church in Palouse, Washington. We are glad you joined us for this podcast, and we hope that, that this will bless you. Good morning. Uh, it's, a ple- it's a pleasure to be here. As uh, Jim mentioned, I, I had a chance to be here, I think it was June 18th, Father's Day, and uh, uh, helping Pastor Corey out, so it's a pleasure for me to do that, and, and it's a pleasure for me to do that again today. It sounds like he's on vacation, so all the more, um, all the more glad to be, to be able to fill in. Um, just a few things, maybe, just so you know who, for those of you who maybe didn't, weren't here in June, um, uh, some of the few things about me, first of all, to say that I appreciated Jim's prayer because there were three points of contact in that prayer. Uh, he prayed for educators. Um, I'm actually going to be a teacher in the Pullman School District. My family and I, we live in Pullman. I'll be a teacher uh, in the high school this year, although Prior to that, I, I served as a pastor uh, uh, in town, but just stepping away from that um, for a season. Uh, he prayed for educators, for students. Of course, I have uh, um, five kids. I, um, four of them are here today, but uh, three are in the public, uh, in the Pullman schools. One is in college. One has graduated, uh, just graduated college last year. So uh, uh, appreciate praying for them and all students. But then he also prayed for missionaries, and my, my oldest daughter will be serving in campus ministry at Eastern Washington University uh, this year. So we're looking forward to that. So on all those points, I sort of said an amen in my heart and appreciate you mentioning those things, among other things. But um, so, um, and uh, anyway, let's, I'm not here to tell you about myself, um, although I think it's helpful for you to know a little bit about me. I'm here to share with you from uh, the Word of God, and, and I hope that in doing that, uh, we'll be encouraged to, um, well, uh, answer this question that's on the screen. Where is your faith? This question was asked on a night when Jesus uh, asked his disciples to get into a boat and cross to the other side of the lake. Now this lake was the Sea of Galilee. And for those of you who don't know, the, the Sea of Galilee is about eight miles wide at its widest point. To put that into perspective, if you're standing on the shore and you're looking out on the water and you see the horizon, that's about a distance of three miles. Okay, so three miles. And so the Sea of Galilee is eight miles wide. Um, and so he, Jesus says, let's get into a boat, go to the other side. So they get into the boat and they launch out. Well, as they're crossing the sea, Jesus falls asleep. And it's about that time that a major windstorm descends onto the sea. And the, the waves come against the boat. And in fact, the waves start to break over the boat and swamp the boat and the disciples are in danger. They cry out to Jesus, Master, Master, we are perishing. At which point Jesus wakes up 
and he commands the wind and the waves and they cease and the disciples they marvel and they're afraid and they say what manner of man is this that he commands the wind even the wind and the water and they obey him I left out the question that Jesus asked when he was awakened and he calmed the sea he he turned to the disciples and he said where is your faith where's your faith I was reading this from Luke chapter 8 in my regular Bible reading a few weeks ago before Corey reached out to me and it was that question that really touched my heart and uh, uh, and so I hope that the Lord will maybe touch your heart as we consider it together the 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 story is that story is recorded in each of the three Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. But I'd like to read just briefly the account from Luke, which is the one I was reading uh, a few weeks ago. And we'll take it from This occurs in Luke chapter 8, and it's verses 22 to 25. One day he got into a boat with his disciples and he said to them, let us go across to the other side of the lake. So they set out and as they sailed, he fell asleep. And a windstorm came down on the lake and they were uh, filling with water and were in danger. And they went and woke him saying, Master, Master, we are perishing. And he awoke and rebuked the wind and the raging waves, and they ceased, and there was a calm. He said to them, Where is your faith? And they were afraid, and they marveled, saying to one another, Who then is this that he commands even winds and water? And they obey him. This is God's word. Let's pray. Father, as we sit before your word now, we ask that you would give us ears to hear, eyes to see, hearts to receive what you would teach us through this. Help us by your grace to answer this question, where is your faith? We ask now in Jesus' name, amen. So there are uh, three questions that I would like to ask from this story uh, to consider together. The first is, what do we learn about Jesus? The second, what do we learn about discipleship? or being a disciple? And thirdly, what might we do as a result of hearing this story? What do we learn about Jesus? What do we learn about discipleship? What might we do as a result of hearing this story today? Well, I would suggest as we think about what do we learn about Jesus, probably the most obvious is that Jesus is the living God. Jesus is the living God. We, 
if we assume for a moment that Jesus was fully man, okay, he was a real human, uh, he really existed in history, he lived in the Middle East, he, he ministered and taught in Palestine, those are facts that cannot be denied and we know that they are true. He traveled, he taught, he hungered, he thirsted, he slept as we see here. But as we, as we accept these facts about Jesus, we are now faced with something more, and that is Jesus is more than just a man. If these scriptures are true and accurate and reliable, and they are, then we must recognize that Jesus is the living God. The disciples were wrestling with this, you know, when, when they asked this question, who then is this that he commands the, the wind and the water and they obey him? They knew, they knew that Yahweh the one true living God alone had power over nature. And here's Jesus doing that very thing. The disciples knew the creation story. God, in the beginning, God created the heavens, the earth, the seas, and all that is in them. They knew the Exodus story where God uh, parted the Red Sea and, and the people of Israel walked across the, the Red Sea on dry land. They knew the Joshua story where Israel entered into the promised land having God having parted the uh, Jordan River. They knew Psalm 89 which says in verse 8, O Lord God of hosts who is Mighty as you are, O Lord, with your faithfulness all around you, you rule the raging sea. When its waves rise, you still them. They knew it was this God who was in charge of his creation. Psalm 107 describes people who were on some who were sailing on the ocean and verse 25 says that that God commanded and raised the stormy wind which lifted up the waves of the sea the waves mounted up to heaven they went down to the depths the sailors courage melted away in their evil plight they reeled and staggered like drunken men and were at their wits end then they cried to the Lord in their trouble and He delivered them from their distress. He made the storm be still and the waves of the sea were hushed. Then they were glad that the waters were quiet. And He brought them to their desired haven. Let them thank the Lord for His steadfast love, for His wondrous works to the children of men. Who is this that he commands even winds and water and they obey him? 
Jesus is the living God. Amazing. Amazing. Not only do we see that Jesus is the living God here, but we see that he is a caring Savior. The reason I mention this point is if we read the account in Mark, we see the disciples say, Lord, don't you care that we're perishing? Uh, evidently, you know, you can imagine 13 men on a boat, at least. The storm is coming, raging. They're fighting for their lives. So there's a, probably a lot of shouting, you know, hey, I don't know, I don't know the sailing terms, but a lot of shouting. And so they come to the Lord and they probably said lots of things. Master, teacher, help us, we're perishing. Well, one of the things they said is, don't you care? He's a caring savior. When we care about something, we're, we're concerned, we're interested in the well-being of that thing, don't we? The, the welfare affects us. There are People care about sports teams to the extent that they'll, we, we, we cry tears of joy if they win or tears of agony when they lose. It literally happens. How much more do we care about people? People who are in danger. People who are in a life-threatening situation. Jesus is a caring Savior. He said, I, I didn't come to be served. I came to serve and to give my life a ransom for many. Jesus says in, in John, greater love has no one than this that a man would lay his life down for his friends. The Apostle Peter, who is, we believe, is the primary source for the Gospel of Mark, says in 1 Peter chapter 5, humble yourselves, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your anxieties on him, for he cares for you. Sometimes I wonder if it was Peter on the boat who said, don't you care? Right? He's often the mouthpiece anyway. But he says, he says over here in, in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7, he cares for you. Cast all your anxieties on him. Peter knew he was a caring, Jesus was a caring Savior. And we know that now. So Jesus' display of power and his response to the disciples here on this boat, I think, demonstrate these two qualities, that Jesus is the living God and a caring Savior. And so let's take these two qualities and let's bring them into the next question. What do we learn about discipleship? What do we learn about following Jesus? Discipleship is the process of following Jesus, being changed by Jesus. Disciples are, are just committed followers. So what do we learn about discipleship? Well, first I would suggest that all of life, especially following Jesus, is guided by God's providence. 
Okay, God's providence. The Westminster Shorter Catechism says, God's providence is His most holy, wise, and powerful, preserving and governing all His creatures and all their actions. Okay, so, so now this is a mouthful. It's a brainful. Holy, wise, powerful, preserving and governing all his creatures and all their actions. The more I've thought about this quality, about this concept of providence, the more I think it's true. This is how great God is. He's so great, so infinite, so eternal, so transcendent, so personal that he's involved in our lives. To put it in, in the, the words of Romans chapter 11, verse 38, from him, through him, and to him are all things. That's what the Apostle Paul says. This church service right now is from the living God. This, this morning we're enjoying together your life circumstances, your stage in life is from God. And we're moving through, it's through God, whatever that means. Through His, His guiding hand, through His presence, through His purposes, from Him, through Him, and to Him are all things. Everything. It, it, it kind of blows the mind. Let's consider God's providence in this storm. We've seen that it is God who controls nature. We, we saw that uh, uh, in various references here to the Old Testament that I very briefly mentioned. And so whether through the natural means of weather patterns or through the supernatural intervention of something unique, God is the primary agent. And so it stands to reason that, that what Jesus commanded here, right? Jesus, what, what he commanded to stop, he was in power to allow to continue. Does that? I think that stands to reason. In other words, Jesus was in control of the weather before, during, and after that command. Whether to allow the storm or to tell it to stop. But, but this idea of providence, okay, it, it's not what the word we use is capricious, capricious. Okay, it's not sort of impulsive, erratic. It's not uh, without purpose, okay? God's works, they might be unpredictable. Clearly, the, 
the disciples are taken by surprise here, but they're not without wisdom and intention and purpose. I believe that in God's providence, this storm served two purposes. One was to glorify the Lord Jesus, and the other was to humble the disciples. We sometimes say that, we might say that the storm was for God's glory and the disciples' good. Maybe you've heard that said before. They were at their wits' end. So they turn to Jesus for help. Have you ever been at your wit's end? <laughs> I know I have. And I've turned to Jesus for help. That's what God wants. Let them thank the Lord for His steadfast love. For His wondrous works to the children of man. All things work from God through Him to Him for His glory and for our good. We see that here in the story. That's one thing here. But then a second observation about discipleship is that discipleship involves difficulty. James says, count it all joy when you meet trials of various kinds. Knowing that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. The Apostle Paul, Romans 5, we rejoice in our sufferings knowing that suffering produces endurance and endurance produces character and character produces hope. So difficulties and suffering have a way of exposing where we're putting our trust. When we lose a job, we realize how much we were trusting in that job to give us a sense of identity, maybe, and security. If we have a financial setback, we, 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 we realize how much we were trusting in our financial portfolio to provide for our needs. When our health is compromised in some way, we realize how much we were maybe trusting in our strength and capabilities. The storm that brought, the storm brought the disciples to their wit's end. And the difficulties of life can do the very thing to us. And so in, in, their, in their desperation, they turned Sometimes I like to say you don't know Jesus is all you have. Sorry. You don't know Jesus is all you need until Jesus is all you have. And I think that's true right here in this story on this boat. There's a psalm, Psalm 50, verse 15 says, Call upon me in the day of trouble. I will deliver you, and you will glorify me. You see how that works. 
Salvation is from the Lord and God invites us to come to Him for help. When we encounter difficulties, we face this question, where is your faith? When I read this uh, in my reading, as I mentioned, I was in a, that's what God had, the Holy Spirit said, Josh, you are trusting in something else. And Jesus is all you need right now. Uh, and so, yes. Where is your faith? Now, let, let's take a minute here and just dwell on this question. Faith must have an object. Notice... Um, well, I like the way Luke words this because he, he says, where is it, right? It's your faith is somewhere. And by that, we, we understand that faith must have an object. Perhaps the, the disciples were trusting in their experience, right? Their, their faith was in their capabilities. There were four professional fishermen, at least, among the disciples. Maybe they were, trust, they were trusting in this boat, right? This, maybe it was one of their own boats and it had been a very trustworthy vessel. It had endured many a storm. Whatever the case, their faith has an object and it's the object of that, of your faith which makes the difference. Not so much the amount of faith, right? Anybody who gets on a plane trusts that plane. We have the faith that that plane is going to get us from A to B. Some of us trust more than others, especially when the turbulence comes, right? Maybe you've been in some rough turbulence and you start, you start to wonder. But, but you get my point. So where's your point? Your faith. The storm, through this storm, Jesus essentially communicates to the disciples trust in me the living God the caring Savior I will never leave you or forsake you and so there are times when difficulties come whether it's on this boat you can imagine them they're struggling with all of their might overcome these waves and sometimes we, we are in situations in life where we, we feel we are literally struggling we're, we're fighting circumstances we're scheming we're, we're, we're strobing our way through we're, we're trying to think through all of the different options searching for every angle or action maybe you've maybe you've experienced that and you're getting nowhere Where's your faith? Are you struggling or are you resting? Receiving and resting on Jesus alone is what he calls us to. Jesus is the living God, a caring Savior whose providence, whether you realize it or not, is active in your life, especially through difficulties. 
These are times to humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God, casting all our care on Him because He cares for us. And this is, I believe, what true discipleship is about. Coming to Jesus again and again and again and again. Jesus is the living God, the caring Savior. Discipleship is under God's providence and subject to difficulty. I think we see these from our story today. But we now can ask, what will I do as a result of hearing the story? I, I could begin by asking, are you in the boat? I don't know any of you hardly at all. Are you in the boat? Are you uh, in, a, in a position in life where you have taken a step of obedience to follow Jesus? Right? It's interesting, as I was looking at this, uh, this story in the, in, in the Gospel of Matthew, something that happened right before this was that some people uh, came to Jesus and uh, one, it says here, a scribe came up to him and said, Jesus, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Another said to him, Lord, let me first go bury my father. And Jesus said to him, Follow me, leave the dead to bury their own dead. Okay. Are you in the boat? Because there were, I take it here, there were some that weren't. And I wonder sometimes, had they gotten in the boat and encountered that storm, then what? What would they have thought then? I don't know. I, su I suppose it wouldn't have gone very well. But oh, are you in the boat? Have you, have you taken a step of obedience to follow Jesus? That's a, that's a fair question. There's no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. And, uh, and so there, well, that's, a, that's a question. Another question, uh, well, another observation from that is to just notice how quickly difficulty came after that step of obedience, right? The disciples got in the boat, they launched out, they had no idea what they were getting into. But Jesus was with them. Uh, second, I might ask, what storm are you in? I suppose that a number of us are in some kind of storm. You might be at your wit's end right now. And so I just ask, what, what is that storm in your life? You might be afraid for your future, where your money's going to come from, 
you might just be in a situation where you, you're at your wit's end, you, you don't know what to do, you've run out of options, and, and, and this question is for you. Where, where's your faith? Jesus is inviting you to trust in Him. To come to Him and say, Lord, I can't do this. I'm struggling. I need help. That's an invitation to all of us. I think when we do that, I can imagine Jesus saying, what took you so long? Right? I'm here for you. Trust in me. I'm here for you. Uh, lastly, I, uh, I thought I might mention that Christians throughout all of church history have referred to what are, is called the means of grace. Um, means of grace. Uh, ways that God particularly sort of shares his grace in the lives of his people in, in order to strengthen them and sustain them. And uh, the most common means of grace throughout church history have been prayer, the word of God, and the sacraments or the ordinances. Um, when we take in God's word, as we have today, through preaching, through, through reading, through hearing the word read, through your own reading time, as you, as you take in the word of God, And believe it. As we process, I would go further and say as we process that word through prayer, we interact with God. When we participate in the ordinances that God has given, particularly through Jesus, particularly baptism and the Lord's Supper, when we participate in those, then we're saying, that's, those are ways that we say, Lord, I need you. I need you. I can't live without you. My faith looks up to you, right? And so at a minimum, I would just add that little encouragement in answering where is your faith to encourage you to either return or to continue in the word, prayer, and, and even the Lord's Supper, which we're going to uh, share this morning together, and I'll just uh, give a bit, some words about that here in a moment. But uh, before we do that, let's stop now, and we'll ask God's blessing on, on his word. Father, we... We do ask now that you would bless this uh, the story of Jesus calming the storm, the insights that we've gained. Lord, that you would bless it to each one of us. And uh, in our own circumstances and in our own way, Father, would you draw us to the Lord Jesus that we might 
receive and rest in him alone for our salvation. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Hello, friends. I truly pray that this message blessed you. And if you want to find out more about our ministries or listen to other messages or videos of our worship services, you can check us out at palousechurch.org or search for Palouse Church on YouTube or check us out on Facebook or we are on uh, the Bible app. There's different ways to find us. You can always email me, Corey, C-O-R-E-Y, at palousechurch.org. Uh, to connect with me or to send me a prayer request. We really appreciate you connecting with us in this way, and may God bless your day.